All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the first summer edition of Inside the Glass, the only podcast in Southern Arizona dedicated to bringing you up to date with the latest hockey news around the National Hockey League. I'm your host, Rob Liano. Joining me here today via web call is Eric Clock of AllSportsTucson.com. Today is a very special episode because if you're listening to the episode on the date of this release, which is Tuesday, June 26, 2018, you should know that we are only days away from Christmas in July, also known as the NHL free agency period. And I gotta say, this year there may or may not be one massive Christmas gift for one of these teams' fan bases coming next week. We might arguably see we might see arguably the biggest free agent of the salary cap era make their way to a new home. Eric, why don't you tell everybody who that is? Well, I think the first question you have to address when talking about Tavares is what are the chances that he actually stays with the Islanders? I put them very low. I think a lot of people put him way too high. Um, like it was pretty funny. I was on uh, TSN's Instagram page the other day and some guy comments like, I don't know why everyone's making such a big deal. Stamkos said people were, uh, you know, speculating about Stamkos leaving and then he ended up just staying. And I, I commented, okay, well, the difference is, is that the Lightning were contenders when Stamkos resigned with them. Like they were coming off of an uh, Eastern Conference final appearance versus when with Tavares, you know, the Islanders aren't even close to being a contender. So I put it like maybe 20% chance he stays in New York. That's I, how I feel. I think that people, I, I think what people's argument is, is, oh, look, they got Lulia Morello taking care of things. They got uh, Barry Trotz now as head coach. You know, they've got an enticing way for him to stay. And the other one is, oh, he's familiar with, with, with it. It's He's played on the Islanders his entire time. And that, I could see that argument. But in the perspective of does he want to win, that's where things start to get a lot more. Yeah, will he stay well, or not? Can he win is the question. You know, I know that they have like Matt Barzell coming in and all that, and that's just wonderful. That's just fantastic, right? But who's in that? Who are they bringing into? Uh, who are they bringing in on the blue line? You know, Grice isn't going to cut it for them if they want to be a cup contending team. And if you look at, you know, the trade market and the free agency list, who are you going to bring in as a goalie? If you're Lou Lamorello, who? You got to figure, he's, he's got to figure that one out. Um, obviously, I don't know. I mean, that, that, is he going to get another Freddie Anderson situation? I mean, that's the problem that they've... I mean, at least the Islanders. I mean, Lou Lamorello, he's he's st- he's st- starting his tenure with the Islanders, but the Islanders. I mean, I don't know. When was the last time they had a starting goaltender, like a true starting goaltender? I mean, Halak really wasn't. He was kind of uh, Washington's sloppy seconds when he went there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was there. Grice was a backup that took the starting position, and now he's kind of overstaying his welcome a bit. I mean. Um, yeah, Grice has been around for a long time. His backups everywhere, but and yeah, that, and that tells in, you something. He was even in Arizona, I think, for a little bit. He was in Arizona. He was in San Jose. He, I don't even like. He's been all over the place. Okay, the thing about Tavares though that you got to remember. Let's uh, get back over to Tavares. Yeah, 
is that he's 27 years old. And how long do you think it's actually going to take for the Islanders to get good enough where they can be a contender? That's the key question that Tavares's agent is going to have to ask. That's what Tavares is going to have to ask. And that's what he's going to have to know to make his decision. And when I look at it personally, I mean, I just think that there's no way that the Islanders are even going to be a second round playoff team. All right. Actually, no, you know, you can get into the second round. No, it's not too hard to get into the second round, but I don't even, I don't see them, you know, fighting for even the conference within the next couple of years. And I, th- I don't know about you. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't see that either. And I think as an enticement of looking at other teams too, is some of the teams that he's considering uh, that he's meeting with, and we'll, we'll talk we'll, we'll touch about more on that in a little bit. They have uh, a lot more playoff experience, third round, Stanley Cup finals, all stuff like that. Even like it's you have uh, experience across the board. But where do I think he ends up going? Me, I I feel like actually. <laughs> I actually feel like the Sharks are a really good fit. And I'm not just saying that because I know that you want him to go there. Um, Just because, you know, you look at Dallas, right? Dallas is kind of the same thing as, you know, New York. You know, they have great forwards, but their blue line isn't really there outside of John Klingberg, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but New York doesn't even have a John Klingberg on their blue line. That's the thing, you know? like their blue lines right up there with the Red Wings, you know, and like the Maple Leafs for worse than the league. I honestly, um, like Johnny Boychuk is might be the best defenseman that they have. Um, but and then you go to Boston too. People are talking about Boston also, and I I don't see it because I mean you got Patrice Bergeron as your top line center, and then who's after that? Let me see. Let me look at their death chart. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think, do you genuinely think that he's going to go to the Sharks? Um, I think out of the, out of the teams that are, he's looking at, I think the Sharks do have the best chance. Um, and I'm looking at it based off of the d- various different factors that we were talking about before we started. One is affordability. Um, and then also ro- like fitting into the roster, roster size, everything like that. So okay, here's yeah affordability. No, yeah, you're right. Affordability is the first part. Um, going back to the Islanders' contract, is we're we're hearing that the offer that they gave to John Tavares was an eight-year, eighty-eight million dollar contract, so valued at at eleven million dollars a year. Um, the Sharks have about $18.9 million in cap space with a roster size of 19. So they really just need one more player. Um, and they're, that's a lot of space to have to really spend if they wanted if they wanted Tavares. And what I'm hearing for what the Sharks are willing to offer too um, was, a seven, was seven years... At around twelve point seven five million dollars. So they're basically going to offer him the same money that McDavid makes to go to San Jose. Essentially. 
I mean, that's fair because the highest paid player in the league isn't necessarily the best player in the league. You know, like I'll just go over to the NFL really quick. Matt Stafford on the Detroit Lions was the highest paid player in the league. And he's a very good uh, quarterback in the NFL, but he's not the best one in the league. Right. You know, so sometimes if you just want to get a guy to stay somewhere, if you want to get him to go somewhere, you're going to pay a little bit more. I could see Tavares making more than McDavid once uh, free, free agency is all set and done. Um, and then Boston, I'm looking at Boston right here. They only have 11.9 million in cap space, but they have their roster size is 18. So they still have some spaces to fill and they don't have a ton of money to sign Tavares. So I feel like Boston's not really a long-term home for Tavares. I don't know about you. And then I, yeah, I, is the second line center. Yeah. Uh, I can agree with you on that. If 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 they put all their basket, if they put all their eggs in one basket for the Bruins, they'll kind of find themselves in a big hole because they don't know what else, where they can get extra signings. They probably have to take, you know, low level talent for really cheap because that's not enough money to play around with if you want John Tavares. And with that said, we can already rule out one. We we could probably I guess say already, but we could probably rule out one team that was in contention, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, earlier today, they did have a around a ten point. I forget it was like ten point seven million dollar cap space. That's still not that much. Uh, which is still not that much at all, as we said, because of the Bruins. But just before we started this. Uh, um, this podcast, we saw that uh, it's unconfirmed, so this may change by the time we finish the podcast, but it's unconfirmed that JT Miller has signed an ex- an extension five point or signed a contract five point two five million dollars cap hit. Okay, yeah, so I think that he's I think that JT Miller did re- sign that deal, you know. I have a feeling that that actually is the contract, you know. So I do think that Tampa Bay's out. I never thought Tampa Bay was that good of a fit anyways. You know? I mean, Tavares is the top-line guy. He wants to be the man wherever he goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and would he be that in Tampa Bay? Probably not. I mean, Tampa Bay has... Um, Stamkos, Sta- there's, there's no way Stamkos is going to step step out of being the first-man center. And nope. um, we were talking. I was talking about this on Twitter. Is um, going back to the Sharks. Is, will the Sharks? Because the Sharks already have a, a first man center, but Joe Pavelski, who is that current first line center, is also a winger. And that's what I like about um, him signing with the Sharks. I really do think that he fits in well in their lineup. I don't know how long term I'd want to sign though. If I was Tavares, to tell you the truth, I if I was him. How many years would you want? I would honestly sign like a three-year deal. I'd give whichever one of these teams a three-year window to uh, deliver me a Stanley Cup, and then I would take my services elsewhere. He'll still be 30 by the time this deal runs out if he only signs for like three years. I don't understand all these guys, you know, signing 10 or like more like eight, nine-year deals. And he could get that from whoever. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's that's where things get interesting. Um I mean, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see. I mean, a, the th- a three-year deal is one that makes more sense. If you do, you, it is, it does make more sense to go lower. Probably not in the route where the Maple Leafs tried or trying to go. At least rumored to trying to go. 
Okay, the Maple Leaf rumors are the ones that make me the most upset because I follow a lot of like I follow I follow Sportsnet and like TSN on uh, Instagram and on Twitter just because the hockey coverage is so much better than major American uh, outlets, you know. And obviously, you know, uh, Toronto being Canada's team, all the Leafs fans just go onto those accounts and talk about how JT is either staying in New York or going to Toronto. He's not going anywhere else, you know. And um, I, I just don't see Toronto happening, honestly. I don't know about you, but... I mean, I don't either for multiple reasons. One, their contract is ridiculous. One year... Yeah, the, what they're talking about is ridiculous, and they're not going to be able to keep them longer than one year. Yeah, one year, $15.9 million. And if, he's in, in, if he decides to stay, that $15.9 is going to go down to like somewhere under $10 million. Um because well, they have to because they're gonna have to re-sign Matthews and they're gonna have to re-sign Marner and they're gonna have to worry about other guys too, other young guys that are gonna be free agents next summer. And they only right now they only do have seventeen people on their roster with um, projected cap space of twenty four point seven million dollars. Nylander's so, an RFA right now. Nylander's an RFA, and then um, Bozak and Van Van Riemsdyk are probably leaving either way but there's it, it, it just makes things so difficult for the maple leafs and i think the other thing is i, I don't know about you but i've kind of seen um uh john Severus as a lot more of kind of like he i'm not sure if he's going to go gun for that uh Super gun like gun home media attention that Toronto is going to give him. It's good. He's going to be over. You're saying he's more of a small market guy. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. I think he likes it in New York. He doesn't like being under the magnifying glass. And if he goes you to know, Toronto, how is it in San Jose. What's that on that front? Oh, San Jose. Let's just put it this way. Um, you, it's the Sharks or the like. If you talk about the four major sports, they're in the bottom because even in San Jose. Well, the thing is, is I mean, San, San Jose itself has got a very, very uh, tight fan base, but it's all about the Warriors. It's all about the Giants slash or and or A's, depending on who's playing better at the time. It's all about the Niners or the Raiders. It's, I mean, and, and again, I said it the first time, but I can say it again. It's all about the Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. Um well, they're in the midst of a dynasty, so yeah. that's uh, and balling. it's and I I sometimes go complaining. I'm like, guys, like when, for example, when the Sharks went to the Cup Finals, um, and there was a uh, viewing party for the for, for the Warriors and also one for the Sharks, and they go over to start interviewing Warriors guys, and they're just like. Oh yeah, the Sharks, how are they doing? They they don't some people if you're outside, some people don't care, which kind of upsets me, other than the diehard fans that we do have, the big set of diehard fans that we do have. So yeah, I'd say San Jose in terms of media spotlight, that's it's very small. That's good for him. Um, and then, you know, if he went to somewhere like Dallas, I'm actually looking at Dallas's cap situation and they might make a good play for him too. Cause they, let's go back to Dallas. They've got uh, um, almost 20 million. 
But yeah, they've got almost twenty million. But their roster size right now is fourteen. That's true. But who are they going to re-sign out of all these guys? Let's take a look. Yeah, Kari Lettinen's gone. You table. know that. Oh yeah, I mean they've had a problem in goaltender for the last couple of years. It's been ridiculous. Been pretty bad. Um. um then Jason Spezza is a UFA after this year. So is Tyler Sagan. Uh, he'll make some good money. He's going to make a lot of money. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's... He's, ten, he's a 10-plus million a year guy, honestly. They, they could offer him the same as Jamie Benn, too. I feel like he'll make more than Jamie Benn. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Because Jamie Benn's making 9.5 right now for... Seven years. Let's see what Jamie Benn's contract even looks like. Um, okay, yeah, but Tavares, back to Tavares again. I think that he signs for no less than $11 million a year. I don't think he goes back to New York because one thing, I feel like if he was going to stay in New York, he just would have signed the contract extension during this season or before that, you know? Like, if he really wanted to stay with the Islanders that bad, I think he would have made that decision already. Then again, he, he could be playing the same. I mean, like, even though even though we kind of already played that off, it still could be the Steven Stamkos style. I mean, like, even even though the Tampa Bay Lightning were a contender at the time he re-signed with them, he could say, I, I know what's out there, but home is, like, essentially home is home. Um, but I, I just don't see it. I, it, it wouldn't make sense for him to stay. That's how I feel about it. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I had, I've, I've even seen, um, uh, tweets where I think, I think it was, uh, Kevin Kurz for the athletic NHL, um, specifically the athletic San Francisco, who's, who said that, uh, um, that he's been talking around to a bunch of the agents and most of them say that they feel like he's going to stay, but he talked to, but one agent said, yeah, I don't think he stays. I don't think anyone really knows except for him though. He's the, he's the only one that can make the decision and that decision probably, it, it can only really be made. I mean, he can decide to stay today or tomorrow, or up until whenever. Um, but we won't know when he signed, if he signs up a new team until July 1st. Okay, but here's the thing. I just feel like it's so... It'll be unlikely that he ever wins a Stanley Cup with the New York Islanders. He's not going to have, like, an Alex Ovechkin situation because, you know, the, the Capitals have been good for, like, the last decade plus, you know, longer. <laughs> And um, they were just consistently falling short, you know, like in the second round after winning the president's trophy. It's not like they were missing the playoffs and falling short in that way. Like, do you agree with me there? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I do agree with you on that. And I think that's, again, one of the big factors, because if I were JT, I want it like I definitely want to go to a team where I can. Um, where I know I can I, I can have at least a, a really good chance at winning, and there are some good some teams that can do that. 
And of course, San Jose is one of them because they have. Well, he makes that team so much better, too. Like the Sharks are pretty good without him, but he would just make that team so much better. And I was I posted I posted this on Twitter. Um, if you want to go see over at Robliano one is this is what I can see as a potential line as potential line pairings if we got John Tavares. And I'm, I have the numbers on here, but I, I mean, I'll probably just say the, say the names. So Vander Kane, John Tavares, and Joe Pavelski up on the first line. Um, you got Tomas Hurdle, Joe Thornton, and Jonas Donskoy in the second line. Marcus Sorensen, Logan Couture, and Timo Meyer on the uh, third line. Melka Carlson, Chris Tierney, and Kevin LeBanc on that fourth line. It'd be a pretty nasty lineup, and your guys' blue line is one of the better ones in the league, too. So it's not like, you know, it's not like you guys, you guys are strong everywhere, and you're even stronger with Tavares. And I, and I, and that's why a lot of people are saying that the Sharks are pretty, uh, they are a playoff contender team. Getting Already. John Tavares will put them over the top. And I think that the Sharks without Tavares are a better team than like, actually, no. Well, the Bruins, again, but so many teams are just lacking defense. They're lacking a blue line. So many of them are. And the Sharks aren't one of those teams. They're the only team on that list of teams that you that we were all looking at, you know, of places that Tavares might sign that has an actual blue line. They have a great starting goaltender in Martin Jones, you know, Um And he doesn't even have to step right in and be the leader on that squad, too. That's the nice thing for him also. And Um, that's one of the biggest things is, and that's why when the Sharks acquired Evander Kane, people were considering, oh, is he going to bring his problems over? And I'm like, no, because um, Evander Kane on the other teams that he played for had to step up as a leader because there were everyone else. He felt like he had to because everyone else was not showing up. But the Sharks already had that core leadership built in that when he came in, he had he kind of just meshed with everybody else and was added as a component, which was a really key component. Oh, yeah. But you better believe, though, that if Tavares did sign with the Sharks, that he would be a voice in that room. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's just the type of guy that would be. Um, and, you know, they... I wouldn't sign long-term with the Sharks, though, because I do feel like a lot of the Sharks' core is pretty old. Like, I wouldn't sign eight years in San Jose if I was uh, JT. Well, they could, I'd sign, like, three or four. We couldn't sign – he couldn't sign eight. Um, seven would be the max he can sign at the Sharks. Why? Um, the only team that can, sign, that can offer him eight is the Islanders. I didn't know that. Huh. Um, okay, I wouldn't stay seven years in San Jose. How about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could, yeah, I could see a good four-year contract if if you. That can, would be smart. Yeah, you could value it probably, and if if it's that rumored valuation too, twelve point seven five million dollars. That's a lot, but he can Sharks can afford it. Um, well, the thing that you got to remember for John for uh, Tavares too is that he's right in his prime, and this is his best chance to make a lot of money. A lot of guys are looking for financial stability when you know they're play. They are professional athletes, and this is Tavares' best chance to make a lot of money is right now this free free agency period. You know, to guarantee financial stability for life, so you got to take that into account too. Absolutely, I, um, 
what I'm looking at too, I'm looking at the Sharks cap table is if they were to sign um, John Tavares, they do they would probably have to make some decisions in terms of the contract signings for the next summer because they're gonna have they're gonna lose a lot of guys potentially, and who knows what that might look like. Um, let's see, because Logan Couture would be a UFA, Pavelski would be a UFA, and both of them are due for raises. Um, Don Scoy is a UFA. Would be, but how much of a raise is Pavelski really going to get? He's getting up there in age. You know, true. Maybe might maybe they just might stick him at the same amount, or just, that's what I'm saying. Um, but Couture is probably going to get yeah. raise. Yeah, not too much though. I can see him getting like yeah, not not too much of a raise. He's not he's not going to match Kane's. Yeah, the, I mean, Kachur and Pavelski, I can see both of those guys making like seven five a year. You know, if Kane's making seven. Yeah, um, um, those are those. Then what about Melker Carlson? Uh, he about the same because he's not. He's going to be a UFA not too long. Also, he's going to be UFA in twenty twenty one. Right. And then Timo Meyer, it's not like he's going to get a massive raise either. Um, um, he's doing well right now. We'd have, I'd probably have to see what he does this year, but um, yeah, he's going to be an RFA. He, he's probably he'd probably receive like a qualifying offer next summer. Speaking of qualifying offers, I saw a few of the guys that didn't get them from their uh, respective teams that I was pretty surprised at. Like uh, Anthony Duclair did not receive a qualifying offer from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? What are what are the chances that someone like him finds a job in the NHL next season? Do you think? Because I think the guy has a ton of attitude issues. That's why he got chased out of Arizona. And I, I mean, like, I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, and I, and again, that's one. It, it takes a team to to build a player to, to build that a player like him. Like, it takes a real team to build a player like him. And you could say the same again as what Vander Kane because he had attitude issues or other kinds of issues until he came to the Sharks and then all of a sudden. Well, I think the Coyotes are a playoff team next year, especially after the Gal- Galchenyuk trade. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see them up there. I mean, especially the Pacific Division. We'd have no idea how they're going to be. Um, I think it's pretty wide open because I feel like the Ducks are a team in transition or they're about to be. If they're not already, they're about to be. Um, the Kings, I don't know what the Kings are doing because it keeps... With their co- it seems like they almost need to get worse to get better at this point. But then they go out and do something like sign Ilya Kovalchuk. I I found that funny in different ways. Um Mainly because apparently one of the arguments to get the that get the contract that he asked for was Patrick Marlowe got the same contract at my age. I mean, it's not if I was his agent, that's what I would say too. Then that's yeah, how it I've, works, you know. With anything, you're all, you're buying and selling players. That's what you're doing in free agency. I know that they're people, but at a basic level, that's what's happening. And if you see a guy that's roughly your skill level, you know, Patrick Marlowe at the same age as you, he's going to say, 
Hey, well, Patrick Marlowe got this. I need to get this too. Or like Leon Dry- Leon Drysidel making eight point seven million a year. I think he makes something ridiculous like that in Edmonton. Yeah, like, I, you know, a lot of agents are going to be using that contract as a reference point. Oh yeah, I, I personally think the. I mean, the Oilers put their team in the cap hell with the, with that kind of contract, but. I don't know what's going to happen with the Oilers, too. Like, I feel like Connor McDavid could be a future Jonathan Tavares. I mean, John Tavares, not Jonathan. He could be a future John Tavares because I feel like they're both such great players. They're playing in smaller markets. But I don't see the Oilers turning into the Penguins. I'll put it that way. I don't see the Oilers even turning into a team like the Capitals, you know? And um, I could see McDavid wanting out towards the end of that monster contract that he signed, like ten years down the road. We can see we could potentially see something like that, and I w- I I would not be surprised. But at the same time, like who knows what can happen within those yeah, 10 next years is a long time. Yeah. But um, hey, the Oilers have ten million in cap space. Maybe they signed Tavares. I'm being sarcastic. You're not going to. Um. Yeah, what's Dry Saddle's making eight five? Sorry, not eight seven, eight point five. Um, hey, uh, Milan Lucic is on uh, the trade market right now. Is he? You didn't now? know that. Yeah, he is. But with a six million dollar cap hit, That's... and uh, now he's on the wrong side of thirty. Uh, it's going to be pretty hard to move him, and he has a a limited no movement clause. So he. Has his list of teams he he will only be wanted to trade to. Exactly. So the chances of him actually being traded are pretty low. Yeah, yeah. I don't think too many teams are going to want a guy that only posted uh, 34 points in 82 games last year. Um, let's see. I was never a big Milan Lucic guy back in the day, but I don't know about you. Tyler yeah. Bertuzzi uh, re-signed with the Red Wings at 1.4 million a year. I was happy to see that. Um, that's a lot for a guy that was not full time in the NHL last season mm-hmm. to be making though as an RFA. That was my only uh, reaction when I saw that. Um, like, let's see how many games he played in the AHL last year. Yeah, he still played 16 games in the AHL last year and only 48 in Detroit. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi did. He's a good young player, though. You know, he um, he really picked it up towards the end of the season. And I feel like the Red Wings, especially after drafting Zadina, are just a much more competitive team than they were a couple of weeks ago. Right. I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but I feel like they're finally starting to trend upward rather than downward, or they might. Like, I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the Atlantic next year. I think that's going to go to Montreal. Yeah, Montreal has got their own. They've got a lot of problems they have to worry about. So does Ottawa. Ottawa is not looking great also. I feel like those are definitely the bottom teams in the Atlantic this year. What about Buffalo? What do you think Buffalo does? Do you think they make any moves this free agency period? That's that's a good question. I'd like to see. I I want to see them make some moves. Will they? Maybe. Because I feel like we're just constantly waiting for them to exit their rebuild that's been going on since like we were juniors in high school so um i mentioned earlier that i was looking on uh cbs sports free top 10 free agents lists right and um apparently the uh buffalo 
is on is on the list of possible landing spots for both David Perron and John Moore. I like uh, Perron there, actually, because, you know, it's a young team with a bunch of kids. You can always use like a more experienced, uh, older voice in the room there for sure. Um, then, so you have Deline and Risto on the blue line in Buffalo. They still don't have a goalie though. They're going to be rolling with Linus Olmark as their starter next year. Um, if the season started today, cause they're not bringing back uh, Leonard. They're not bringing back Chad Johnson. So that's the next man up. Um, but the goalie make- market isn't good this year. Grubauer went over to Colorado. I mean, the Sabres very well can go for a free agent goaltender if there is any. Because Lightning, that's that's who I see on here. Because they've the got, because I mean, they've got the cap space to sign somebody. But let's see, unrestricted free agents. Let's see what goalies we got on here. Yeah, Peter Morazic. You could sign him. Um, who else you got? I mean, if I were Cam them, Ward. if I were them, they'd they'd need at least something. Someone like that. They can't just roll with Allmark. I feel like give him a chance to uh, take over the starting position. Do something like Winnipeg did. You know how Winnipeg brought in Steve Mason at the beginning of last year, mm-hmm. um, but they gave Hellebuck a chance to uh, take over that starting role. I feel like if I was Buffalo, that's what I would do. I would bring in a guy like maybe even a Cam Ward. You know, I would stay away from Lettinen if I was them. Um, Yeah, bring in someone like a Cam Ward, maybe Peter Morazic, and then just give both guys a shot at the starting job and uh, see who comes out on top. That's kind of what Winnipeg did heading into the season and And paid dividends for them. And it worked well for them. Yeah. So... I mean, Halbuck was a uh, Vezina finalist this year. And um, if you take into account the postseason, maybe he would have won it because he clearly outplayed uh, Rene in that uh, series, oh, second yeah. round series. No, no, yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, how do you feel about like the Selkie, the Hart, um, especially the Hart? Do you think McKinnon should have won it or do you think uh, Hall got it? I would have voted for Hall if I had to vote. Um, yeah, I mean, Taylor Hall had he he had a phenomenal season. I I don't think I I, I can't see it going. I, that that would my vote would be. I'd put it that way, plain and simple. Yeah, I'm gonna look at the goalie list a little bit more here. I mean, but a lot of teams need goalies. The Islanders need a goalie. The Red Wings kind of need someone outside of Jimmy Howard in a little bit here. You know, that's where I'm still worried about the Red Wings is that. Um, they're not out of the woods by any means. I'll just put it that way. Carter Hutton is also a UFA, um, but he was a backup in uh, St. Louis this year. Let's see who else is. Yeah, nobody else that's really that notable. The best free agent goalies this year are Cam Ward and Peter Mrazek and Kari Luttonen, arguably. It depends how you feel about Kari Luttonen. So what do you do if you're Buffalo? You're uh, Jason Botterill right now. Um, I mean, I personally think that someone like Cam Ward would work for them. At least. Yeah, get a veteran guy in there. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, he is 34, but as a goaltender, that's 
you know, that's doable. You, he, he can work with that. And he's, I mean, he, I mean, he, he's been doing pretty well. Let's see, last year, um, 42 games, 22 and 14. Um, 2.75 goals against average. Yeah, where is he at? Um, I lost him on the list. Yeah, I mean, he his save percentage this year was uh, uh, 905. So that's, I mean, it's not like he's got the he, he's got decent numbers and he can he can do it. And he was playing on like a middle ground team. He wasn't playing on like some unreal team like you know the Penguins or like the Lightning right. or like the Predators. Um, I feel like UC Soros too. Um, Rene's backup is is like the next backup in the NHL to perhaps graduate to a starting job somewhere else. Right. Um, that's, that's but there aren't a ton of goalies around the league like that right now. You know, like Cam Talbot did that. Uh, Martin Jones did that. And now I think Auntie Ranta is doing it. You know, he was bad for Arizona for like the first half of the season, but second half of the season he was really good for the Coyotes. That's why I feel like the Coyotes are dangerous. People shouldn't be sleeping on them at all as a playoff team this year. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised to see see them play see them play well. I think they're gonna surprise some people. Dylan Strom, what does he do next year for the Coyotes? Are they gonna slot him as a third line center? Are they gonna bury him on the third line? I mean, I I, I hope not. I mean. Based off, I what, too. based off of what you and I saw with his style of play that he played with the Roadrunners, he can make a big difference. Well, that's what I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but that's what I find hilarious about some media coverage um, from the NHL when they talk about the a- the AHL. Because I was reading on uh, some website, I'm not going to like put this person on full blast, but. Um, it was a coyotes reporter for, you know, a prominent outlet. And he was talking about the coyotes. He was talking about Dylan Strom specifically. Right. And this is a guy that probably gets paid good money to cover the coyotes, you know, like it's his full-time job. Like it is his job to know this stuff. Right. Yep. And, uh, the guy writes in his article, you know, seven questions facing John Chica this off season. Right. Uh, I probably just gave away the identity right there anyways, but, um, <laughs> One of them was, where does Dylan Strom fit in in this organization? And he said, what do you do with Dylan Strom? You know, do you throw him on the wing or do you throw him or do you make him like a third line center? What do you do? And he said in Tucson this year, they played him on the wing a lot. And you and I can both say that we've watched, we watched 30 nights of Roadrunners hockey this year, just about, you know, yeah. maybe more for you. I think you went to a few more games than I did. I, but, I um, got a chance to watch the playoffs. That's one thing. Yeah, true. And they never played him on the wing. I mean, maybe he played on the wing, like coming out of the penalty box really quick, like for a couple of minutes. But, you know, he was a center. Like Strom was a center in Tucson 99% of the time. And I just didn't understand how this guy that's a professional journalist is um, saying that. I don't know. Right. It just, it blows my mind. The, the lack of attention that the AHL sometimes gets from people interested in and or covering the NHL. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things as the, it's the Kyle Wood thing. We were talking about that before the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like people talking about Kyle Wood being the seventh D man for the Sharks. And yeah, he's a good AHL player, but the skating just isn't there for him to be 
a NHL defenseman quite yet. Yeah, he's definitely. And Rob and I both agree on that. He definitely had to develop with the uh, Barracuda a little bit more, which I think will help him a lot because I do believe um, Roy Summer to be a pretty good coach for defensemen. Who did the Roadrunners bring in as a coach? You saw that Van Ryan left and went to uh, St. Louis as an assistant. I have no yeah. idea. They've yet to make any announcement about that, I believe. Yeah, I. They'll bring someone in, obviously. They're going to bring someone in. Obviously, they're going to try to bring someone comparable because they don't want to downgrade or anything. I thought Van Ryan was a good coach. I almost would have done like what the Red Wings did a couple of years ago with uh, Jeff Blaschel, uh, keeping him around in the AHL in case the Coyotes wanted to do a coaching change at the NHL level. I thought he was an extremely competent coach. Um. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, we're not running the teams. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely happy though for uh, Van Ryan on on chasing that uh, NHL job. He's gonna for well, sure. He's gonna do. He's gonna do good well up there. Uh, he's a very good coach. He uh, did great for the Roadrunners this year. Um, so for you, I think Blues fans that hear him as an assistant coach, yeah, you guys got a good one. You're gonna you're gonna be happy with him. Maybe he's there to put some pressure on uh, Mike Yeo. I wouldn't Never be surprised. Know. We'll see. Never know. I feel like that's why the Wings hired Dan Blysma as an assistant. Yeah. Sometimes uh, teams do that. Hire an assistant to uh, put pressure on your head coach. Uh, head coach. Yeah. Go for that competition, just like they do for other players. Yes, they do. And uh, Blyzma easily could step in for the Red Wings. You know, he's coached a Stanley Cup winning team back in 09, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Right. Okay, so who else are we going to talk about here? Let's talk about some of the other notable free agents. So we're both in agreement that Tavares' best fit is the Sharks and that he shouldn't go back to New York, right? Yeah, I can can agree with that. All right. So we'll put that uh, baby to bed. And we'll talk about the other um, free agents. Joe Thornton, okay, that's the top guy on Cat Friendly's list right now. He's going How much back of a haircut does he take oh, he's, to let Tavares come? He's going to take a really big cut. Um, um, $4 million, 3.5. 3.25, probably. 3.25? Yeah. Because he's going to have to take a really big pay cut to get someone like Tavares to come over to uh, San Jose. Not only that is he says wait until everyone's taken care of. So that means hurdle and tyranny too. Wow. See, that's what blows my mind about a guy like Joe Thornton. He's 38 and he averaged 18 minutes and 20 seconds of ice time last year. And that's... And and like he he played was it forty seven games before he got injured and yep, exactly forty seven games so thirty six points in those forty seven yeah so he still plays quite well um, he stays with the sharks more than likely I'd put the chances oh. at that at ninety percent I mean I could see some random weird situation where he does leave but I don't think it's going to happen um he said he said he wants. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. I mean, he, that's why I say that. But. Yeah. Um. I yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see how that turns out. 
Okay, how about uh, Rick Nash? I've heard uh, rumors that he's going to go back to the uh, Blue Jackets. Speaking of the Blue Jackets, Artemi Panarin might be on the trade market. I know that their uh, GM uh, denied it, but apparently Panarin was offered just a huge contract extension, and he turned it down. So Panarin might be on his way out in Columbus. That's um, and then Rick Nash could be coming back. So you could see some pretty big turnover in uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. That would be that. That would be an interesting uh, unfolding. For sure. Um, okay, so Rick Nash. Rick Nash at this point, he's like a twenty goal guy. He's not forty goal season Rick Nash that he was. Um, so the type of teams that I see him going to is maybe like a Tampa Bay, you know, like a contending team that just needs a veteran, you know, that can be like a power play specialist, you know, play solid minutes on the wing on the second or third line, you know, like a middle six forward. But um, I don't see him going back to like New York, for example. I think that New York is heading into a rebuild right now Mm -hmm. for sure. And they need to, it's, it's completely necessary. Um, How do you feel about uh, Nash there, Rob? Um, I'm not entirely sure on how that's because he made 8.2 million last uh, year. Well, that was his cap hit last year. He made 7.8. Yeah, but he's also um yes, he made that much money, and he's 34. So, what do you go from? How do you go from there? Like, oh, he's gonna get like a two year deal, one two year deal, something like that. He still scored 21 goals last year. Okay, these are the possible landing spots as per CBS. Um, so back to the Bruins, Kings, Predators, Flyers, Blue Jackets. Do the Kings really want another old winger? Uh, because I know that uh, Phil Kessel's on the trade market too, and they were talking about Kessel heading out west. Actually, I was seeing rumors of Phil Kessel uh, playing out here for the Coyotes. Okay, so what, are the, so what do the Kings do? I mean, like, they have... Let's look at their roster there. That's a good point. They've got a 20 roster size right now with a cap space of $3.2 million. Um, yeah, just under $3.2 million. There's not... How do you get Nash with that? I, you, I still feel like Nash is a $4 million a year guy. I mean, they're probably going to have to uh, move out some guys, definitely. Um, if their they roster want that. size looks good, though. They... 20 out of 23. Yeah. That they're not like they don't need to fill a bunch of holes right now. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, they're not they're not in dire need, and I don't so we don't don't see that as being a landing spot. Um Predators, Flyers, and Blue Jackets. Those um, are the other. I could see the Predators. I don't I'm just not feeling the Flyers in general, because to me, the Flyers and the Islanders are kind of like are very similar teams, you know, like they have really high end offensive skill, but they can never get the goaltending and their blue line is either there or it's not, you know, like they've got like your Claude Giroux, like Claude Giroux is a hundred point player this year, yep. um, which is just crazy to think. And um, you got like Voracek, Wayne Simmons, people like that. They've got a, then they got a decent got amount. Of, they got a decent amount of cap space, though. Who are the Flyers? Yeah. 
Um, about I, I'm not feeling the Flyers though. I feel like Predators is a good one for sure. How much cap space do they have? Did the Predators have? Yeah. Let's see. Um, Why do I see them on this list? Yeah, I'm looking for it too. Oh, um, about twelve million. They've got twelve million. Okay. Maybe they should make a play for Tavares. How nasty would the Predators be if they got Tavares? Oh God, they. <laughs> with what they got now, that that that's gonna be ridiculous. They'd be pretty good. <laughs> They'd be okay. How do they, they might fit, make the playoffs? How do they fit us like him in center though? Like, have a. Uh, Slide uh, Johansson down to line two, uh, put Katuris on line three, and then um, like Nick Benino line four. I don't know. Move one of those centers to the wing. Um, Probably that would be Johansson. Perhaps. Uh, PK Subban up there. Uh, well, I'm just looking at everything. Wow, all their captains are, are defensemen. Roman Yossi with the C, uh, Matthias Eckholm A, Ryan Ellis A. I didn't realize that till now. Um, UC Saros is an RFA, but he was uh, qualified, obviously. The 23-year-old Finnish goaltender. That'd be interesting. So what about... I think this is always interesting to talk about too. We're just a couple days removed from the draft. What recently draft players do you think have a reasonable chance of making the opening night rosters for their uh, respective squads? Like I think Deleen, you know, Svechnikov, those guys are locks. Oh, right? yeah. Um, I think that Zadina has a chance of making it for the Red Wings. For sure. Being on the opening night roster, and I th- and I think based off of the, um, the the situation that the that that the that they're in right now, I, I mean, why not? Why not? And you know, wing is the easiest position to break into the league with too. You know, because least amount of defensive responsibility. Um, that's why goalies take the longest to break in. Is just because the responsibility is so much greater. You know, and um, yeah, him being a winger, he'll easily be able, not easily, but he'll have an easier time breaking in than if he was like a center or a defenseman, you know, Um, because it's not common to see like 18 year old uh, defensemen in the NHL. But Deline obviously will be one of those next year. Um, Barrett Hayton, what do you think? I think he goes back to junior. Um. Probably. Um, we can take it. I mean, um, I mean, probably you could very well, if you wanted to, go ahead and go uh, go across the valley and watch the uh, prospect week. Yeah, I'm up in Phoenix right now. I was actually thinking about doing that. Um, it's still going on tomorrow, I think. Uh, it's when, all the way out to Gila River. They used to do at the ice den, and it was so nice. When's up their Scott, uh, so. scrimmage? I'll look that up. Um so what else do you who else do you think is gonna make it though? Um Brady Kachuk, probably for the Senators. Probably. Or does he go back to BU? 
I, I, I'll, I'll give it to him. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I could go watch the Coyotes prospect camp. That'd be really interesting that we could uh, get another podcast going next week. Yeah. And, I, and uh, I, I, I I'll can, talk uh, all about that. Cause that's future Roadrunners right there. Um, development camp, AZ central. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. But, you know, people, I think, are being unfair to Hayton to a certain degree. You should have seen how triggered the Coyotes fan base was on social media because I follow several fan pages for the Yotes, you know. Um, He's obviously a good player if he went that high and if he was a top-line center in the OHL. So I think just give the kid a chance. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Thursday from 9 a.m. to – okay. Friday at 6 p.m. at Gila River Arena. That's when the uh, scrimmage is. So I definitely could go to that. I could go if I wanted to. I mean, it's I'm still in Tucson, but hey, it's not. That's right. You could drive up. Hey, if you're down to go, I'll go. Um, I just gotta I just gotta find a way to pay for gas. Yeah, that's a you'll use about a half a tank back and forth. Um, Coyotes also announced a uh, new ECHL affiliate in the Norfolk Admirals also. Um, So that's who the Roadrunners will be sending players back and forth between uh, next year. So it's not Fort Wayne anymore. No, it keeps moving east. Uh, It used to be in Rapid City, then it was Fort Wayne, and then now it's all the way in Virginia. Um, What do you think of the Coyotes' third jerseys, too? I kind of like that those are coming back. I like those. They're wearing them like 17 nights a year, I think, this year, too. So about a third of the home games. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting for the Sharks' thirds to come. And I'm wondering to see, are they going to go back to kind of like the similar blacks that they did uh, in the years past? Or are they going to go to the style of the old classics from the 90s and early 2000s? You know, if I was a gambling man, I'd bet on the blacks, honestly, just because I feel like the old school Sharks jerseys are too similar, like in color scheme and in appearance to uh, the they, current ones. They can choose to go the old school blacks. They could do that. Good. That'd be interesting. Maybe you have a black jersey with like the old school logo and the old school look. They they do have that. Um, they do exist. I'm see if I could find it. The Red Wings are not having a third jersey. They're just one of the teams that never has one, ever. Uh, uh, along with, well, the New York Rangers, they they have had one in the past. Yep, there is one of those. It's a uh, black jersey with the uh, old Chucks logo on it. Yeah, maybe that'd be interesting. I don't know. I see a picture. I see a picture of it, um, and it's got Owen Nolan jersey number on the back. Owen Nolan. He scored the uh, first playoff uh, series clinching goal for you guys, right? That's who he is? Yeah, he's been around for a long time. I'm not sure that's the case. Isn't he your commentator, too? Oh, no, that's Jamie Baker. Jamie Baker. Okay. Yeah. Jamie Um, Baker was the one that scored in, was it, 90? That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah, my sister knows his daughter. That's how I know that some guy that did that was the guy who did it. Um his daughter went to UV a couple years ago. So I find that's interesting. Quite a bit of uh, um, hockey players' daughters go to U of A. Yeah, Brett Hull's daughter's there too. Um, Currently. Apparently. 
But uh, yeah, okay. So Brady Kachuk, you think will be in there? Um, what about Kokli Yemi, the the Finnish guy that was taken at three? Yes, Barry. Uh, what's his name? That's his name, but I'm just struggling with the uh, the Finnish last name. Kokaniemi. Yeah, that guy. What about him? Um, I don't know. Let's let's see. He's taken at um, three. He was taken at three. Um, Which a lot of people thought he'd go more around five-ish. Okay, four. He played in the Liga. Um, and he did let's see fifty-seven games played. 29 points. I think he does just because if you go over to the Canadians roster, it just doesn't look good at all. Um, I think that they're going to be the worst. Who's the worst team in the Atlantic next year? Ottawa or Montreal? Montreal. Montreal. You think Ottawa is going to be better? What does uh, Eric Carlson do? That's a good question. Actually, that's a that's a really good question because that makes the big de- that would make a big difference in what like what he does on. Because yeah, Eric Carlson very well could get traded within the next couple weeks. Couple of uh, couple of weeks, yeah, easily. Question and is, they were even saying that the Sharks were a potential destination for Carlson too. Everyone keeps linking you guys to uh, these big name uh, players. And then the Golden Knights, how big of a step back do you think that they take? Because I think it's going to be significant. I think that they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot at a bare minimum. Um, Possibly missing. If they lose Neil, if they lose Perron, um, who else is coming up free agents for them? Let's see. Um, so they let's see Neil. It's like half the team, dude. So honestly, it's, it's they a gave lot. Carlson the qualifying offer. Um, Gabrowski. Peron, Reeves, um, Nosek, Carrier, uh, Spisa, Stoner, Miller, and Theodore. See. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, they gave Carlson a qualifying offer, like you said. Mikhail Gabrowski was on there? I forgot about that. Um, All right, so who stays? Who stays? Yeah. In Vegas? Carlson stays. Carlson, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think one of James Neal and David Perron are going to leave. I think James Neal's gone especially. Um, Colin Miller and Shea Theodore are both staying, I think. I could see that, yeah. There's no way they let Shea Theodore go. Um, Does he's like, stay? He's their most promising young defenseman. Shea Theodore, easy. Does, does uh, Spisa stay? Uh, no. I, I'm going to say no on that one. Look at how cheap their blue line is, though. Look at those salaries. Wow. Oh, my God. So yeah. we got a uh, two point. Oh, the, their most expensive defenseman is Braden McNabb making two point five million a year as of right now, as of today. Yeah, say two point five million, two point two two five, one point five, one point three seven five, and six hundred fifty thousand. And see, that's what I mean about Vegas. Eventually, they're going to 
become a cash strap team. They're bound to become a cash strap team, you know, because so many of these guys had career years with Vegas, especially Mark Andre Fleury. I don't think Mark Andre Fleury is going to uh, repeat what he did last year. And uh, surprisingly enough, Thomas Tatar is actually the highest paid player on the Golden Knights right now. The guy that only played like three games in the playoffs um, coming over from Detroit on the deal on that trade, which was a great trade for Detroit, by the way. We got Joe Valeno out of that uh, first-round pick this year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They got the two former Florida Panthers, both making $5 million a year each. Yep, yeah. Um, I mean, look at the cast base. William Carlson more than Perron. I mean, uh, Marcheseau and uh, Riley Smith. What was that? Do you give Carlson more than uh, Marcheseau and Smith? Um... I th- I think they're all equal. Yeah, I I I just like his line mates. I would about I would probably about equal it about five million. Yeah, I don't think he's that much more important to that top line or that team than um than those other two guys. But the thing about Vegas too is I think that they just co- they just played a system that teams could not figure out until the Stanley Cup final. What the Capitals did is they just played old school trap defense against the Golden Knights. You know they had a one one three uh defensive zone a neutral zone trap going for pretty much that entire stanley cup final series and vegas just couldn't get anything going in the neutral zone and now that basically teams have seen how vegas how you can beat vegas i think they're going to take a big step back you know that team was never that good they just played such a good system and that's how they won hockey games and i don't think that that team has the skill to play any other way if that makes sense so knowing that what are the um in a kind of like way too early look what are the four potential playoff teams coming out of the pacific division uh i really think arizona is because they played so well in the back like in the last month and a half of the season remember like they would have had something like 109 points over the course of the year, if they played how they did from the midway point in February all the way to the end of the season. Remember, we kept absolutely, talking about absolutely. that towards the end of the year. Yeah. So, Arizona, um, San Jose. I um, Yeah, San Jose is going to be a playoff team. I got Arizona and San Jose. Um, then on the bubble, you are probably going to laugh so hard uh, with me saying Arizona's for sure a playoff team in the Pacific. I think uh, yeah, a lot a lot of people would. I mean, um, but I might just be yeah. being biased too. Being being a Phoenix boy, and being, yeah, I mean that's my hometown. I got to rep my city. Yeah, um, and being Roadrunners writers, and you know a lot of these Roadrunners players are going to be playing for the Coyotes. So I feel like they're a total sleeper in the Pacific. Like I feel like they're going. Like when I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, I was going around sportsbooks seeing if you could bet on teams to make or miss the playoffs because I actually had a bet on the capitals to win the Stanley cup from before the season. I didn't put them in my bracket because I was like trying to be a smart hockey guy, not pick the capitals to win the cup. Right. Um, but I could send you the ticket and I was cashing it. And then I was asking them, you know, can I bet on like the coyotes to make the playoffs, you know, or like the golden Knights to miss? Cause if that bet existed, I would take both of them. Um, Cause I bet you the odds would be pretty good. Yeah, right? you get that, that 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 could be you can cash out quite a bit if you go go on both of those. 
Yeah, but they didn't exist. The odds were actually hilarious. Like Vegas is a three to one favorite to win the Western Conference next year, which I think is just way too high. That's three to one favorite. Yeah, no. But how about Ovi too? That guy just um, <laughs> is he's he, celebrating like it's his first and last cup. He's not sober yet. <laughs> no, he's he's gonna be hungover when they uh, raise the banner. Um, I love it though. I love every second of it. Oh, absolutely. He he, he deserved. He totally deserved it. Oh well. Hey, you're doing what I was doing in the studio a couple weeks back. <laughs> yeah, I knock just, it over the bikes. Yeah, I mean, this is more. I just took it out of its stand somehow. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. So what? Wait, what was it? Okay, yeah. Playoff teams in the Pacific. Cool. So San Jose, Arizona. I'm gonna go San Jose, Arizona. I feel like LA is still a playoff team. Okay. Um. So I'll go those three, and then I'm not that high on Calgary, but I could see them making it. I'll put the Alberta teams on the bubble. I'll put okay. the two Alberta teams and Anaheim on the bubble for that fourth one. So With Anaheim being the most likely of those three making it. So you would you say worst team Canucks? Yeah, easy. Especially after losing the Sedins. I know they weren't that big of a part of their roster this year, but I don't think Quinn Hughes is is all of a sudden going to make them unreal. And I'm not sure if Quinn Hughes is even leaving U of M, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brock Besser. Yeah. I, I mean, he's good, but Brock Besser, bro, Horvat were both good hockey players, but I, I just don't see them really doing anything. I don't know about you. I think Vancouver's the worst team in Pacific. Yeah, absolutely. I'll lock that choice in. All right. That's, I mean, they what were, about you? I mean, they were close this year, this year. And that's with the Sedins. Right. And now both of the Sedins are gone, obviously, because those guys, they, they were going to leave and, and go away together. Um, and, uh, let's see where the Canucks are at. There we go. Let's see their roster. Uh, okay, you got Louis Erickson. You know, he's unreal. He's going to score like 50 goals for them this year, obviously, given. Um, Bo Horvat, uh, Brandon Sutter, Sam Gagne, Derek Dorsett. Yeah, they, they just don't. I think you put them up against every other team in the Pacific, and they are our worst hockey team in every area. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, defense goal. Um, who do they have in goal? Jacob forward. Markstrom. Jacob Markstrom. He actually wasn't bad for them last year. Um, okay. Um, oh, they, they still have Alex Adler. They do. Wow. He's really up there in age now. Because I remember, I remember hearing Adler's name when we then when the San Jose Sharks played them in the 2011 Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I know. Adler's been around for a long time, uh, for sure. He's like the old guard still left over in uh, Vancouver. I don't think they name a captain next year either. And I don't like that new trend in the league of rolling without a captain. You know, I think it just signifies a lack of leadership and a lack of organizational direction. Question is, Um, with, with some of the people from Vegas leaving, who would they name a captain? Um, Riley Smith, maybe. 
if James Neal's gone, then I feel like Riley Smith might be a good captain for them. He did. What if Toronto tries to entice uh, John Tavares by giving him the C for one year, just saying, we'll give you the C for one year on that one-year deal, win the cup with us, and you'll be the captain of the first Maple Leaf team to win a Stanley Cup since uh, the original six? That'd be a weird story. That would be. be very weird, but I guess they could do that. They could make that part of the contract. They could, but they could, but I still don't see him going. I don't see it, but I'm just saying it'd be like a weird situation if it did happen. Um, what do you think Ekman Larson does? I know he's not a UFA or an RF, a UFA till next season, but do you think he leaves or stays in Arizona? He's going to stay in Arizona. Um, Me too. I think so too. Question is, how long of an extension is he going to sign? Long. A long one, I think, for around eight, nine million a year. Eight years? Eight years. That's what the rumors were. Was I eight mean, years at uh, 8.125. I mean, I mean, he is like their best player. So, like. He's a very good defenseman. He, I got a little triggered when I was uh, watching the uh, draft. They were talking about John Carlson making eight million a year, right? Uh, Pierre was. Uh, he was saying, oh, John John Carlson has more top-end offensive skill than Oliver Ekman-Larsen, which I think is totally untrue. I think Oliver Ekman-Larsen is, like, low-key one of the best offensive D-men in the NHL. You know, they just make him play more of a defensive role uh, under Tockett's system. But he was the first Swedish defenseman to have back-to-back 20-goal seasons. Right. The first to, more, to score more than 20. Like, in NHL history, he has the most goals in a single season by a Swedish defenseman. And think about how many good Swedish blue liners have came into this league, too. Yeah. Um, here's, here's what's interesting, though. Is like, like, right now, as of now, I'm looking at the Coyotes' um, cap table. Is What's strange is they don't have any long-term deals right now. They don't have anybody past 2021. I mean, they're an empty canvas. They have been for a while. I think that the Coyotes could end up being an elite team in just a couple of years, but they have to be guided in the correct direction. You know what I mean? Like, I could see it going either way. Like, they could either remain a mediocre team or they could become an elite team. I mean, they, I mean they've, they've proven that they could be a playoff team in years past, so what's stopping them now? No, and I think Derek Stepan is a great guy to have in the room for them, too. I still think the Shane Doan situation could have been handled better. Uh, do they retire his number? What do you think? Um, I think so. I mean, he's, I been, a, so too. he's been around for a long time. And, I mean, it's going to be like the same case with um, with the Sharks and when and uh, it's – uh, whenever the uh, both Marlowe and Thornton decide to retire, right? Both, both those numbers, twelve and nineteen, are going to be in the Raptors. And even if Thornton retires this year, they're not going to let JT wear nineteen like he used to in junior. No, they're going to. They're yeah, they're. They wouldn't issue him the number, just like when Dotsuk left Detroit, no one was getting issued thirteen, even though it's not officially retired yet. Absolutely. Speaking of speaking of numbers, I just, I still love the joke that I made on Twitter. If you saw that about the yeah. uh, uh, if the Sharks were to sign 
John Tavares and re-sign Joe Thornton, their numbers, both J and if with both initials JT, numbers 19 and 91. And then someone. I mean, it's a clever coincidence. And then someone really noticed coincidence. And someone proceeded to comment, "1991, the year the Sharks entered the playoffs. I mean, the year the Sharks entered the the uh, the league. The league. And I was like, okay, let's stop there. Yeah, let's. <laughs> oh my God. So let's see what uh, Bob McKenzie's saying about uh, Tavares. Bob McKenzie, he went on NHL Network um, a while back, and he said that he put he wouldn't be surprised if Tavares leaves or goes. So kind of just putting wrapping up our final thoughts on a free agency. We think that Tavares would be a great fit in San Jose. I don't think he stays in New York under any circumstance. I just, I just think it doesn't make sense for him. Um, how yeah. do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think. Um, he definitely needs to go find a place where he can, can win. win. And there are teams that can do that. And probably the best fit, as we both agreed, is the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, it's an excellent fit. And then, like Rick Nash, I feel like Rick Nash signs with a contender. You know, like he goes back to maybe Boston. Uh, he might return to uh, Columbus, you know, just for you know, nostalgia, you know? Right. The team he entered the league with, the team that drafted him one overall back in the day. Um, and and then, like, Mike Green, I think he could come back to Detroit. I don't know. The Red Wings kind of need a guy on the blue line. I'm kind of just covering the big free agents here. Um, go back to the UFA list. Let's see, either Neil or Perron... We'll leaves be, Vegas. Leaves Vegas. Maybe both even. Maybe. I could see both leaving, but I think at least one does. Um, one more, a couple, and then the the uh, two from Toronto, James Van 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 Riemsdyk and um, Bozak. They both might be gone. They're like you were saying. Both probably gone. I think someone's gonna overpay like crazy for JVR too. Someone will. Probably. That has just way too much money to spend. Like, I feel like whoever loses out on the JT sweepstakes and just in is just itching to spend their cap space is just going to throw a bunch of money at someone like JVR or like Tyler Bozak. Well, not Tyler Bozak, more like JVR. Yeah, right. Mo- mostly JVR. Uh, Bozak is going to get... Like or like a, Neil. Uh, Bozak would get like a, mi- uh, like a mid-range deal from some team. Right, but JVR easily can make $8 million next Prob- season. Probably. Because he, he was a 36-goal guy last... Wait, no, he wasn't. I was looking at Tavares. Yeah, he was a 36-goal guy also, just like Tavares, but only 18 assists. Um, yeah, that's what I feel like they're going to do to uh, James Neal. Paul Statsny, I think that maybe someone like uh, Montreal signs him because Montreal is just so weak up the middle, especially after uh, losing... Um, Alex Galchenyuk mm-hmm. to Arizona. Where does Alex Galchenyuk slot in in uh, Arizona too? That's an interesting question also because I think Stepan is still line one center. Um, and then now you have Dvorak, Strom, and Galchenyuk jockeying for position now, in the, the middle. The thing about Al- the thing about Galchenyuk is um, at least on cap friendly is 
he's listed to be very versatile. He can be on either either side of the wing. Okay, then. So maybe move Galli to the wing and have like a top line of like Stepan, Keller, Galchenyuk. Maybe put Strom on line two, Dvorak on line three. And then, I don't know, like Richardson, line four. That can work. Um, it's not a bad team when you look at it on paper. Yeah, they can definitely put they can definitely pull together as we said that playoff team. Like I think they're a much better team now that they got rid of Domi and have Gelchenyuk. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. Um let's, Oh, what about the trade? Did you see uh how what's his name? Uh Dougie Hamilton's heading to Carolina. And then uh, Noah Hannafin's heading out to uh, Calgary. Right. And um, you saw that one, right? Yeah. A huge trade between. Uh... So who do you think won that trade? I, I'm going with Calgary because they got the better younger players out of it. Yeah, I can. I can agree with you on that one. Um... One sec. I'm trying. I'm just trying to bring up the in- the entire details of it because I know, like, you just mentioned deal. It, it was but... a big deal. There was a lot of pieces involved, and I'm forgetting Hampus Lindholm. He was also in that. Um, oh, there it is. Yeah. So, um, Elias Lindholm. Elias, not Hampus. Who's Hampus? Who does Hampus play for? Elias Lindholm. Um, and see, Dougie Hamilton, Adam Fox, and. Michael Furland. That's a big one. Let's see. Yeah, I feel like Carolina definitely won that one, though. I mean, uh, Calgary. Sorry. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I can agree with you on that one. Um. Okay, and then I think that's really it for the big free agents. Um. So, what else is, is there? Anything else you'd like to talk about? Not that I know of, unless there's any other NH big NHL news that came out while we were recording. Oh, it's rumored that Reese Scarlett signed a contract with the uh, Dallas Stars for six hundred fifty thousand cap hit. That just show up on Cap Friendly. Oh yeah, dude. Yep, that's six- a big one. 650k a year man all right um i'm, I'm just joking obviously <laughs> yeah i kind of, I, I kind of would uh assume that yeah um but uh ryan rust also is rumored to have signed for uh 3.5 million a year back in uh, pittsburgh yeah not not much of a surprise i kind of thought he'd return pittsburgh but uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's probably it, and I think probably we could probably do another recording or even a live session on July first. Going, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be fun, and like I, we, I could probably link up like the TV feed, and we can say, "Hold on, we have an announcement coming," and let's go ahead and go over to the uh, go, go go over to the feed, and then come back and do some our own analysis. Yeah, we can do that. I think um, that I think that would be sure. fun because it's on a Sunday. I have nothing to do on a Sunday. Um, Maybe I'll head over to the prospect camp too, and I'll mention a few things here and there while we're waiting for news. Yeah, we could. Yeah, um, we could probably do that. Like we could do like a uh, a countdown. So like, I th- what 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 is it? Probably nine a.m. 
Pacific yeah. Time. Oh wow, making me get up early. I mean, 9 a.m. Pacific time is when. I mean, when it starts. Is is it? I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 9 a.m. Pacific new. time. So. What would that be? Um, we could start. We can start early and do a um, a countdown, and we can. That's when we can talk about what you saw at Prospect Camp. Yeah, yeah, I'll go over to that on uh, Friday. Go over to Gila River. I was actually at a men's league game uh, a little while back. I don't know if you saw that on my Instagram story. I was at the uh, Gila River Arena. Yeah, Gila River. Yeah. Um, my buddies were playing men's league hockey there for whatever reason. It was really weird. I don't know why, but they were. And I was uh, pretending to be a coach for a uh, beer league. I was calling those line changes, you know. I was nice. uh, running the power play. They were undefeated with me behind the bench, Rob. There you go. Yeah, maybe I'll get that job with uh, the Roadrunners this year. Hey, um, Mike Van Ryan said maybe he should put you on the coaching staff anyways, so. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> that was not a chirp at all. Uh, He's dead serious. <laughs> anyways, um, we should probably go ahead and wrap this uh, wrap up at, yeah, least yeah. The, at least the recording part of it, and then we could probably... Um, but uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Inside the Glass. We'll probably see you guys with, sometime next week, probably, most likely July 1st, to talk about free agency because there is going to be a lot coming on July 1st. It's going to be, as I said, Christmas in July for a lot of you fans out there. So once again, thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to go ahead and uh, follow us on Twitter at ITG on camp and on anchor, which is anchor.fm slash ITG on camp. Also on iTunes, you know where to find us. We'll see you guys next time.